for us to go to a certain church in Chicago that they told us was the greatest church in Chicago. And uh, so I had this high expectation. The week before, I went with one of the guys in the team to the church he went to, and there was just the presence of God, and people were worshiping, and it was just an absolutely wonderful atmosphere. But I kept thinking, uh, but next week is going to be better. So I, I really had a high expectation. Went to this church the next week. And uh, to say I was disappointed is an understatement. I hadn't been in a church like that uh, almost most of my life. But they had really hard pews with sides and backs so that it separated everyone from anyone else. And then the, uh, the guy who preached stood up on a kind of spiral stair deal way up high. And uh, they sang one song. And it wasn't even about Jesus. They talked about being nice. And when it was over, we went outside and I was just angry. I was angry that they'd said this was the, the best church. And uh, basically they thought it was a good church because they had a lawyer on staff and they were really into helping people, which is wonderful. But I was just, I walked out into the parking lot and I remember walking across the parking lot and I was angry and I was just complaining to God, that, you know, no church is terrible and, and you know, they don't, nothing about Jesus and, and uh, I was just spewing and probably one of the first times in my life God spoke to me very clearly, not audibly but very clearly and Jesus said yes but she's my bride and I love her and something happened inside my heart, I began to weep and the whole day I couldn't stop crying Two things, knowing that Jesus loves his church and that I had spoken negative about his bride made me realize that it's not about us. It's about him. Matthew 16, Mary already read it. She actually didn't know what I was planning to preach this morning. Uh, when Jesus says, but who do you say that I am? Verse 15. Simon Peter answered and said, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus answered and said, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I will say this to you, that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. The rock is the revelation of who Jesus is. And the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. First time that Jesus uses the term church, first time it's used in, in the Bible referring to the church. It actually was a Greek word, ekklesia, meaning literally called out ones, but it was any gathering of people. Anything from people called out for a civil meeting to a riot could be called ekklesia. But Jesus was saying, I will build my gathering of people based on this revelation of who he is. So really a church is a gathering of people focused on Jesus, his bride. So I wanted to, uh, this morning, start with a look at the new covenant. We're going to do a series on the church that Jesus is building over the next few weeks. I'm going to share some of it. Some of the other guys are going to share some of it. But we want to say, okay, what is Jesus building? 
We don't want to get, try and get Jesus behind what we want to do. We want to get behind what he wants to do. Okay, he's building his church. Only thing I can see anywhere in the Bible that Jesus is building on earth today is the church. That's what he says. I will build my church. But he's going to build it his way. So we want to find out what is his way and not what is our way. So with that in mind, turn with me to Luke chapter 22. From verse 14, it says, When the hour had come, he sat down with the 12 apostles with him. And he said to them, With fervent desire, I have desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. That's an interesting term. That word, fervent desire or desire, is to set one's heart upon, to eagerly long for, to greatly desire. So Jesus was looking forward to this meal with these guys before his death with fervent desire. It's a, a, a term of passion. With fervent desire, I've desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I say to you, I will no longer eat of it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. Then he took the cup and gave thanks and said, so take this and divide it among yourselves. For I say to you, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took bread and gave thanks and broke it and gave it to them, saying, this is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And then it says something amazing. Likewise, he also took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood which is shed for you. See, two things happened here. Jesus' death completed the Old Covenant. You know the Bible says Old Covenant, New Covenant. The Old Covenant is based on sacrifice to remove sin. It was a type of it was the Passover where they applied blood to the doorpost so the angel of death passed over. That was looking forward to something. But Jesus actually said that his death completed that and he instituted something new. Yet too often all we think about is what it completed, not what is the new. Jesus' passion for this supper wasn't that it completed the old, that's his death, but it was that it instituted something new. That was his passion. Hebrews tells us that the old was done for good. In Hebrews uh, 8, 13, and, and 10, 9, you want to read it later. It says that when he completed that, it was finished for good. So that sacrifice for us was done. But then he's instituting something new. His blood initiated the new covenant. I think too often we don't have a good understanding for it. There's a cultural significance for that. And in this culture, it was a meal that was an engagement so let me explain it to you. When a man decided he was going to get married and found the right partner, the fathers would work out the, the price. And when that was agreed, they would have this dinner. The young man and his father and the young woman and her father. And they would sit across the table. And, they were, and when the meal was finished, 
the young man would take another cup. Interesting. In the Passover, there was the, the uh, cup of wine and the bread, and there was another cup that sat there that the Jews never touched. It represented the coming new covenant. That's the cup that Jesus took after dinner. And all, so all of a sudden, I mean, for all their life, these guys have celebrated this Passover, and nobody's ever touched that cup. It was a prophetic symbol of something to come. And Jesus grabs that, and they all go, huh? He's got the cup. But in this engagement meal, the bridegroom would take a cup after dinner and all the formalities are done and he would hold it out to his future bride and say, I choose you. Now, all of the covenant of marriage was tied up in that ceremony. He's saying, I offer you everything I have. You take on a new identity, a new name, a new purpose, and you become my bride. If she didn't, didn't want to marry this guy, we got to the point where they had a little bit of say, she could just get up and leave. But if she took the cup with one sip, without a word, with one sip, they were in covenant. See, in our day and age, covenant begins at the marriage ceremony. In that day and age, it began at that meal with that cup. So when Jesus says, a new covenant, it's not a covenant of sacrifice. It's a covenant of love. It's representative of marriage. And then in that culture, if she took the cup and they're in covenant, the bridegroom would then go away and he would go build a house if he had some money or a room on his parents' house. And when he finished, he would come back and there would be a wedding celebration. Does it sound familiar? Jesus says, I go to prepare a place for you. John 14. And when I come, I'll take you to myself. In a... Uh, 2 Corinthians 11, it talks about, Paul says, I betrothed you to one husband. Okay, this whole thing sometimes gets lost when we only focus on the completion of the old and we forget what the new covenant is all about. You still with me? If the family were royalty or wealthy, they would often leave a family representative and attendant to help prepare the bride for her duties when she joined the family. Think about that. Jesus says, it's for your benefit that I go, if I go away and the Holy Spirit comes. Who does the Holy Spirit focus on? The Holy Spirit honors Jesus. He's come to give Jesus glory. He's come to teach us, to bring to our remembrance all that he said. See, this whole marriage symbolism is what this new covenant is all about. You still with me? Okay, back over in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Paul writing to the church there reiterates this new covenant. Verse 25. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper 
recognizing it was a different cup. This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Interesting, this is the only thing I can find in the Bible that says we do in remembrance of Jesus. Not Christmas, not Easter, communion. Interesting. Goes on to say in verse 27, therefore whoever eats this bread and drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and the blood of Jesus. Now I want to, tell you it doesn't say whoever takes this unworthily it says in an unworthy manner it's not about us being worthy it's not about some introspection that says have I done something wrong in the last week before I take communion that's all been covered with the sacrifice that's finished for all but it's a it's about taking it in an unworthy manner and I want to submit to you this morning that an unworthy manner is that we don't recognize the covenant that it represents. See, we can take communion religiously. It can be something we just do because it's part of the church culture. And we do it, and it doesn't mean anything. Or we can do it flippantly. But there is an attitude of reminder of the new covenant. In a very real sense, the bread and the juice rep is like an engagement ring that you get when you get engaged. You have one here. Hold your hand up. <laughs> See, in our culture, that's a promise of a covenant to come. In Jewish culture, that, was, that would be the covenant. And so in a very real sense, every time we take this, it's like a reminder that we are in covenant with the king of the universe. It's a reminder of his love and sacrifice. It's a reminder that we're his bride. It's not just a religious ritual. It's like looking at the engagement ring and saying, I'm in covenant. And all that that entails, my identity is wrapped up in him. My purpose is wrapped up in him. I have a purpose that's eternal. I get to partner with him to see his kingdom advance and see lives change for eternity. You ever wonder what life is about? That's it right there. It's not about just going to work and making money. It's about being a part of an eternal consequence that we get to partner with him. It's about an identity that's focused on him. We partner with him for his purpose. What's his purpose? I'll tell you real quick, but Luke 4.43 says his purpose was to preach the kingdom of God. That's our purpose. Luke 5.32 says was to call sinners to repentance. That's our purpose. Luke 19.10 was to seek and save the lost. That's our purpose. John 18.37 to bear witness to the truth. That's our purpose. 1 John 3, 8, to destroy the works of the devil. That's our purpose. So the bottom line is that God's in an all-out search for the lost. His bride. Because Revelation tells us that at, at that marriage feast will be people from every tongue, tribe, and nation. 
I heard a guy preach a number of years ago. He was an older guy at the time, which he must be very old because I'm not very young anymore. His name was Paris Reedhead. He was a, had been a missionary to Africa. He grew up as a young man, and he saw pictures of these people in Africa, people who were poor, and he felt sorry for them, and they didn't have the gospel, so he felt that they were just de deprived, and so he wanted to go. And he went there, and after being there for a few years, he was angry with God for sending him. And he basically said, God, why'd you send me here for these people? I thought that they just didn't understand the truth. They didn't have the knowledge. Problem is, they do, and they're sinners who love sin. And why did you send me? And like I heard when God spoke to me about his church, Paris Reed had heard God speak into his heart. And God said to him, I didn't send you here for their sake. I sent you here for my sake. They are sinners who deserve hell. But I love them. Our purpose isn't about what people deserve. It's about the love of God. We all deserve eternal separation, but he loves us. We're going to share communion this morning, and we're going to do it a little bit different. Tim, if you help me out, if you pass. I'm going to ask you if you take a cup and a piece of bread Being called politically correct, the, uh, the cup is grape juice. When Jesus took it, I can. <laughs> I'm going to just waffle on while you get this because we're not going to do anything until you get that, so... And you could all be focused on that. Obviously, the bread represents his body broken for us. And the first cup that he gave to the disciples represented his blood that was poured out, which was the sacrifice represented in the Passover the lamb that was killed and the blood that was shed on the, put on the doorpost. But then after that, he took the other cup. And that's what we're going to do this morning. You can't get the bread off of there. <laughs> they're, they're tugging. We only got that bread about three months ago. Yeah. No. <laughs> no, it was actually yesterday, to be honest. <laughs> just, just grab the inside, because you won't be able to tear the uh, crust very well. But I want, what I want you to see this morning, I want you to get that, is the bridegroom today is leaning across the table, holding out the cup and saying, I choose you. I choose you. If you've never entered into covenant with Jesus, he offers forgiveness, but he also offers a new identity and a new purpose.
an intimate covenant. See, I went to church for 11 years before I met Jesus. I'm probably slower than most people. But I learned a lot of good things. I learned some good principles. I learned some good truth. I met some wonderful people, but I didn't know Jesus. And there came a day when I realized I didn't know Jesus. So if you don't know Jesus this morning, he's extending the, the cup of the covenant. If you take it, you're saying, I want to enter into a covenant. If you know Jesus, for the rest of us, it's a reminder that we're in partnership. To drink is to give him all we are. Paul wrote, I'm not my own. I've been bought with a price. And so it's a reminder of that covenant. All he has, he makes available to us. But all we have, we make available to him. As I was praying this week, I felt that there's some who've just gotten distracted by things that are good but aren't the most important. And when they become the most important, everything gets out of a line. And there is a calling back to the place of intimacy as the bride. Jesus took the bread and he broke it. And he said, this is my body. When we understand the incredible love that prompted that, the sacrifice for the joy set before him. He endured the cross. What's the joy? We are. The bride, which is us. For that joy, with passion, with fervent desire, he desired to eat that meal. Not because he was excited to go to the cross and die, but because he knew what it represented. This is the new covenant. We as a church want to be founded on that new covenant. But it's not only important for us as a church, it's important for every individual. Lord, we thank you that your body was broken for us. We stand amazed that you love us. Lord, we just acknowledge that without you we are sinners who deserve hell. But that you loved us. And as we take this, we just recognize again the privilege of being in relationship with you. Go ahead and take the bread. I just did the classic preacher's no-no when you're doing communion. I took a big piece of bread. <laughs> now, if you just close your eyes for a moment. After dinner, he took the cup. And I want you to just see Jesus reaching across the table with a cup in his hand, offering it to you, saying, I choose you. All that that entails. This is the cup of the new covenant.
If you never entered into covenant with Jesus, I encourage you this morning to do that. But if somehow you've gotten a bit sidetracked, or maybe just have forgotten, let's remember that we're in covenant with the king of the universe. We're not our own. Amen. If you're ready to acknowledge the covenant that you have with him, just go ahead and take that. finish with a song there's none like him again I appreciate you being here because everything we do as we start a church is foundational and I had probably a dozen things I could have preached on this morning and I felt very clearly we need to start with our covenant with Jesus because that determines everything we do Jesus is the center, but he's not the center because we just make that way. He's the center because he's chosen us as his bride. So why don't we stand?